This is sounds from Ukraine now. Звук из України зараз. everyone and welcome to Sounds from Ukraine Now. Today we have two guests with us joining Clemens and myself um, and they are Marichka and Ilya. I'm not going to say their surnames because I wouldn't do it justice so I'm going to ask them to introduce themselves afterwards. Um, but for those of you this is the first time you're tuning in to Sounds from Ukraine Now, Clemens and I set up this radio show about six weeks ago now I think Clemens um, and we it's where we chat to and speak to different Ukrainian artists about their practice and about what is happening in Ukraine now. So yeah, um, yeah. so Ilya and Marishka um, are two musicians and singers, I'd say, from my understanding of you. And Clemens and I both had uh, the experience of actually seeing you play here in Rotterdam um, at for the O Festival, which was happening at the end of May. And I was able to see both your late night lullaby of the songs for Maripol and your 
uh, performance of Chernobyl, which are both incredible, and I really look forward to chatting to you more about them. Um, but yeah, so welcome both Ilya and Marichka, thank you for joining us. And maybe Ilya, we can start with you. If you'd like to introduce yourself and a little bit about your creative practice. Yeah, hello friends. Uh, my name is Ilya Razumeyka. Uh, I'm a composer. And uh, together with me today is Elsa Marichka Shterbulova, our singers and ethnomusicological researcher and actress. And we're representing uh, our small group uh, with the name Opera Aperta. It's independent opera company, which is based in Kyiv, Ukraine. And we, last years, we are working very intensively in the field of music theater and opera. So today, I think we will speak mostly about our last big production, which has named Chernobyl Dorf. And we created this piece before large-scale war uh, during pandemic time. But now this opera is on tour. And uh, politically and historically, now this, this piece and our musical materials also has a lot of links and connections with ongoing war and aggression and genocide, which is also partly a cultural genocide by Russian Federation. Uh, so, so today we speak about Chernobyl Dorf, the, some kind of post-apocalyptic opera that we started to do uh, in very special ways through the series of, of expeditions to different post-urbanistic landscapes in Ukraine. And the first of them was uh, uh, the most maybe famous one, Chernobyl Exclusion Zone, which is also a big uh, which was also very very special and important field for ethnomusicological research before the catastrophe. So if we speak about Chernobyl and Chernobyl exclusion zone, it's also important to understand that this is part of Ukrainian police, which uh, is very rich with um, Ukrainian folk polyphonic music, a special type of singing and special types of storytelling, which we also use to use in this opera. Before we go more into depth about Chernobyl, I'd love for Marichka to introduce um, yourself and maybe say yeah more about your practice as a singer and a performer. Uh, yeah, hello, hi everyone. Uh, I am Marichka, and as Ilya already introduced me, I'm an actress and also a singer, and uh, I also do a folklore. I'm very into it. Uh, so um, I don't know my part in this show is on the edge and on the crossroad of all these things about acting uh, and singing and doing folklore. Uh, what creates like combining all this thing creates like, I don't know, very unique for me, uh, like expression and way of expression and of uh, dialogue through uh, art. Uh, so, yeah, of course, we, like, in the folklore perspective, we started from, like, researching and exploring uh, folklore material from Chernobyl region, but at the same time, the whole opera is not actually about Chernobyl. It's These are just our thoughts about uh, post apocalypse and catastrophe and uh, how does how do we uh, how do we live with this with kind of new consciousness what of course obviously make have has no has like new meaning and new sense for us now 
So, uh, yeah, mm. folklore is, is, it's like a bridge for me. I don't know, for us, uh, it's like a bridge between, uh, between like past and future, what is obvious, but it can also give a lot, a lot of answers about like uh, who we are, about our culture, about our history, about our nation, and of course about ourselves, and may help us to uh, understand the path, the way we are moving on. These are some of my thoughts. How do I feel that? I, I think it's a really smart way to phrase this, Marichka, because part of your performance in O Festival of the just the Mariupol songs, but I saw the performance of uh, Opera Lingua in uh, Vernadsky Library last year. Oh, really? Both of these projects really make me think that, um, or I don't know how much of this is just the approach of Opera Aperta in general, or this collaboration that you ha have put together, but it seems like your work really expresses this synthesis of histories that are present in Ukraine in a really elegant way where there are these elements of folklore, but in the case of uh, Opera Lingua, which took place in this uh, um, kind of historic library uh, named after Vernadsky, the famous scientist, um, it integrated also the Soviet past in a really powerful way. I'm, I'm kind of curious how you manage to uh, balance all those things. I guess that's a normal uh, state of being for a Ukrainian person, someone with Ukrainian heritage who understands these different things, these different uh, histories. But um, it seems like this would be really challenging to balance uh, through creative expression. Um, well, um... I can say that uh, from like this is my opinion and my sense in art that uh, this is much more uh, strong and much stronger and I don't know it creates new layers of um, of some I don't know of some expression again when we are combining different uh, different arts different ways and uh, like different uh, meanings at the same time because it's also similar to to our life I, I think so uh, because for me like I'm almost the same age as Ukraine is and this is actually very interesting and unique um, generation and historical time because uh, from the at the same time I was born and I'm super happy uh, of that fact that I was born in independent country uh, independent Ukraine but at the same time at the very beginning of it uh, and this realization when you become old like grew up and I realized that uh, like my country I mean like independent country not nation but independent country is almost the same age as I am it's very um interesting feeling and interesting um, like level of consciousness because this is very responsible from the one side it's very responsible to realize that you are like kind of the first uh, adult generation 
who was born in like independent countries. So, uh, but at the same time, we have a lot, a lot of like Soviet uh, influence, but we haven't seen that at the same time. So this is kind of big responsibility and kind of important field for me as an as an artist also to to realize and to understand all those things and to make them together and to reflect on our past but at the same time to break something to bring something new and to move forward uh so as i already said for me as an artist of course all these facts are kind of like challenge but at the same time it is very responsible and interesting but also scary a bit like everything at the same time yeah you know in, in compared to marichka i was born a few years ago so I, I i was born during the time of soviet occupation so even inside our small collective you can see different <laughs> generation of people yeah yes and you know when we also choose the topic of chernobyl it was also important uh, for us to to rethink you know this tragedy in some kind of post-colonial way even in the western world if you think about chernobyl you know it's some kind of a huge urbanistic catastrophe and you see those i don't know heroic firefighters and the city of pripyat but it's important to understand that all this i don't know at atomic power in this police ukraine it was it was doing by the Russian Empire as a part of colonization of Ukraine. And nobody really talking about, you know, what happened in all the small villages around Chernobyl. And also Chernobyl is the city which is, I don't know, 100, 1,000 years old. So Chernobyl is 100 years older than Moscow, for example. So that's why in our process of creating this opera, we also use this, I don't know, these instruments of post-colonialism that uh, that Russian artists and Russian researchers unfortunately didn't use all the 30 years. And it's also one of the reasons of this brutal war, which is, a, I don't know, very, very ugly and unnecessary and absolutely stupid colonial war. You, I, I think you, you all see how, how Russia constructs this conflict and how how they also justify why they kill killing people in Ukraine. So that's why also in our cultural front, we must do this long post-colonial way to, to defeat our independence and freedom. Yeah, yeah, Clemens. I've, I've been really impressed, uh, or I mean, impressed isn't the word, <laughs> sort of uh, shocked or disgusted with the way... Um, the intellectuals in the U.S. or in Western Europe uh, construct this uh, tool set to deal with uh, colonialism, the history of colonialism, the and this post-colonial uh, situation in many parts of the world, and then they are so hesitant to apply it to the situation in Ukraine and the relationship of Russia to Ukraine. Uh, and and this is this has been endlessly frustrating talking to people and working in different projects over the last five months uh, because there there seems to be this real like colonial or post colonial or decolonial discourse is reserved for 
this other kind of experience and and what happened in Ukraine, Russia's intentions in Ukraine, this is kind of another thing, this is off limits, we can't apply the same logic. But it seems like this is really fundamental to what you're trying to do with uh, Chernobyldorf. Yeah, yes, absolutely. You have right. And, you know, also last month we discussed that, you know, there are some, uh, I don't know, serious magazine, post-colonial studies. And also some uh, some of researchers said me that in last 20 years of editions, it was no one article about Russia. And it's important to understand that it's not just particularly about Ukraine, because uh, Russian col colonialism, it's what's happening right now in Belarus, for example, in all small uh, folks uh, in Chechnya, in Dagestan, and so on. So now we can see, uh, so I don't know, in Western policy, in all these universities, colonialism is some, I don't know, it's a matter of the past. But now we can see online how Russia how Russia used colonialism, I don't know, to, to, to destroy smaller countries and smaller folks and smaller languages. So that's why it's also really important to look uh, not, not just on Ukraine, but also to all other smaller nations that suffering from, from Russian politics. Um, I only wanted to ask some questions about the musicality of Chernobyl, so changing the conversation a little bit, but um, just as we had, or maybe actually let's listen to, can we listen to something else and then we can talk about that? Yeah, okay, maybe it's uh, the track uh, number two is a little bit specific, it's uh, some, the beginning is noisy and then it's going to a big bug setup, but maybe we can listen and then talk a, a bit about this track.
Um, so Ilya, what part of Chernobyldorf, what, what, what's happening at this moment? Yeah, okay, it's need a bit explanation. So it's a part of the second novel of Chernobyl Dorf with the name uh, Drama Per Musica. So uh, during our expedition to South Ukraine, to the places near Energodar and Zaporizhia nuclear power station, which is now occupied by Russians, we find in a small village of Wysha Tarasivka some, uh, some very special... Uh, concert hall or theater from the 60s, mm -hmm. which was empty. And then we try with our with the group of the opera singers, we try to stage in this hall some kind of post-apocalyptic uh, drama per musica or early opera. So we take some Baroque materials. And for example, for, 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 this, uh, for this episode, we take uh, 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 some fragment from Bach, the 12th. Uh, cantata of Bach, and then we also combine it with some kind of noisy singing. So our singers, they try and try to remember how to sing Bach, but they cannot do this. And then it's also, we combine it with the, with the recording of Bach cantata, which is, uh, yeah, which, uh, so our singers uh, uh, established somehow uh, in, in this way, some, some kind of a dialogue with the, with the, with the Baroque music. And also the place, the place where we recorded this this uh, particular fragments is now under shelling and un under attack. Just last week, the center of this small village, which at Rasivka was was completely destroyed by by shelling, because because Russians they have now uh, heavy artillery. I think maybe you heard uh, di directly in Zaporizhian nuclear power station, which is the largest nuclear power station in Europe, and then they shelling to another to another side of the Dnipro River. And destroying also just private houses and our infrastructure and our fields that are burning right now. Did did I read uh, correctly, Ilya, that you are from uh, Zaporizhia? Yes, yes, I am originally from Zaporizhia. I just came yesterday from the from this place, and my home village is now on front line. So, I have also big family near near this line but i i hope that we will push them back soon i i'm i wonder as we're talking about different histories that are being synthesized through your work i it also occurs to me that uh for example zaporizhia has this history of uh ukrainian cossacks whereas there's also these other strong folk traditions like hutsul tradition in the west or or in, in the carpathians I think people who are listening to this uh, radio show may not have a full understanding of the um, different histories that Ukraine draws from now in the like it, it, as it sees its identity as a nation. Um, and as artists who are dealing with these different folk traditions, I'm interested how those come together in your work or or do they not come together? Do you focus on certain folk traditions over others? Uh, well, of course, like, first of all, Ukraine is like, is a big country. It has big territory and it has a big population. And uh, of course, it has influence on how history was going. Uh, history of Ukraine and like, for example, of last hundred years of I don't know like 20th century is uh, very very complicated very 
painful, very struggling at the same time, and uh, of course, different in different regions. And uh, in some point, it is also um, a fight is still like is continuing now because of like we've been divided historically on some points. Uh, so in perspective of culture, uh, I wouldn't say that it's different, <laughs> different identities. Uh, of course not. It's just like, uh, it's mostly, I can name it, it's diversity of culture, diversity of folklore, diversity of, of uh, traditions and uh, everything. Uh, of course, some regions been under uh, Russian influence and under Russian occupation uh, stronger and longer and uh, had more, uh, more influence, unfortunately. Uh, some western western part of Ukraine has at some point different uh, uh, history and different background, but at the same time, this is what makes us feel and makes us um, stronger and makes us united right now because uh, it is very strong and very um, you have like we have no doubts that. This is one nation and it will uh, fight through everything. Like nation, it is very um, quite complicated thing to uh, explain what is nation, but it has very deep, deep roots. You can feel it. And especially in those times as we are going through now, you can really feel what is nation and you can really feel what is your people, uh, what is unity, and what is the power of nation and power of like of this unity, as I already said. Uh, so, um, of course, we've been, during this work, we've been exploring different regions and uh, uh, include them in, into this uh, piece. And uh, as Ilya also said, some uh, some um, shots, for example, because we also use like uh, filming in our show, uh, they've been made in such some places which are occupied now. So this is most more like I don't know this secret and magic uh, of art. Sometimes you are doing some things very. Uh, maybe intuitively or you can't explain everything uh, very detailed but we just feel it and of course there are a lot of very painful uh, moments and very painful uh, points for us now to consider all this show and to understand how many new meanings and new signs and new symbols do we have now in our own work we created? Excuse me, Marishka, I just want to correct you. So it's important that now no one place where we make opera is occupied. And really, they are became a front line. And also Chernobyl was temporarily occupied and then they uh, uh, we, we pushed them back. Yeah, thanks. And also the places where we filmed in Krivirich and in South 
Ukraine near my village, they are now frontline and from this place in, this place are shelling with artillery and you can hear an artillery battles, but they, they place uh, are still under our con controls. Uh, yeah. yeah, sure. Thanks for correcting me. That is very important. Uh, I just uh, want to say that, for example, uh, uh, Energodar, like atomic station in uh, Zaporizhia region, is occupied now. But we also was con were considering this in uh, our work. So, yeah, these were my thoughts. It's it's so it's so hard, and I'm telling this, but it still sounds unbelievable even for me to understand that there are some places uh, in our home country that which are occupied. I still don't believe that. Yeah, unfortunately, I was not able to see the full performance of Chernobyldorf. Um, but I, I'm wondering if there's a reason why the the space of this opera focused on, I guess, the south and east of Ukraine. Um, yeah, okay. You know, in, in this opera, we also speak about some kind of uh, ecological disasters. And also we can see that uh, Soviet Union as totalitarian system is also committed a series of ecological crimes. Okay, maybe Chernobyl is one of the biggest, but also South Ukraine and Donbass is also the place that we can say it's a place for ecological catastrophe. Or I don't know, we also we discussed this week another case is, I don't know if you know the situation with shrinking of the uh, Aral Sea between Kazakhstan and Kyrgyzstan. Yeah, yeah. So it's also it's also a huge ecological catastrophe which which really influenced not just the region but I think the whole the whole continent and then the whole planet, which are done by by uh, Soviet Union and also so when we create Chernobyl Dorf as a as an opera about post -apo post apocalypse uh, human made uh, or human made apocalypse. It was important for us to travel to these places and to film and to record the sounds of the landscapes who were uh, that were traumatized somehow by human uh, activities. I wanted to um, maybe go back to a question I wanted to ask before we played the last song about um, interested in the like tonality and the tuning of maybe folk music in Ukraine. And maybe it would be nice to hear from both of you about this, but especially the first um, piece of work that we played where it's it's kind of the tones, I don't know, I don't know, again, in Western music, it's like a tone and a semitone, but I feel like you guys have a much broader scale or use of tones and that, and I'm really interested to understand that. And then also all the different instrumentation you use, because when I saw you playing the songs for Maripol and Chernobyldorf, Ilya, you were switching around instruments with your other, um, the other performers as well. And like these amazing looking string things that were flat and like, I don't know, it was just fascinating, these beautiful sounds. And I'd love to yeah, understand uh, the creation of music and the tones you use more. Uh, yeah, so basically, we, uh, if we speak about music materials, we have uh, two big sources. One of them is the vocal material that uh, Marishka, for example, is also a specialist in uh, Ukrainian folk singing and polyphonic singing, which is which has some Western influence, but it's not it's not like Western European tonality. It's also a lot of microtonality inside. And also we take a few folk instruments. So we, we take a cymbalon, the uh, Belarusian version of it, and we take Ukrainian instrument of bandura. But we also detune them, and we also establish some kind of a micro microtonal system which can be in line with the 
with the microtonality of voices. Uh, yeah, so maybe, I don't know, maybe we can listen also to short instrumental fro uh, fragments, which will be the second part of the first track, just to listen to uh, more precisely into instrumental sounds.
Wow, it's so um, landscapey, like I feel like capsulated in it, and also it's taking me back to watching you guys in Rotterdam. Um, how, how, like when the creation process, Ilya, with you and the other musicians of the instrumental stuff, how, how did you compose together, or what was the process of working together? Yeah, actually, it's uh, in this opera, it's a lot of uh, improvisation. For us, it's um, also very important. Uh, process is to create the instruments to to make some preparation and to to form this some kind of post-apocalyptic band so first we concentrate on, on these string folk instruments like uh, bandura and uh, uh, cymbalon and then we also involve some kind of few specific uh, for example Morinkhur from mongolia or also our our artist and uh, beautiful visual artist Evgen Ball, he constructed some kind of post-apocalyptic drum set also, which is uh, constructed from different, I don't know, trash, small metallic and wooden parts that we found just on uh, flea market. Uh, so uh, there is a lot of uh, improvisation and co-creation inside some parts and also some parts are a big Citat when we also use some music of Bach or Schubert and then somehow rewrite it. And also another one, another one direction of work was also to uh, to resync folklore somehow. Also, maybe we can listen now the track that Marichka sing together with uh, other beautiful singers, uh, Susanna Karpenko. And this is the track number four. And for this track now, it's also easy. You, you can hear Marichka will first sing solo, the Ukrainian very old uh, traditional song, uh, Latila Strela. And then we will also make uh, some polyphonic version of it with the sacral uh, Agnus Dei text from the, from the mess. Maybe we, we can listen now these fragments and then also uh, talk about it.
Marichka, as a singer myself, like um, one of the most joyous things is singing with others and like creating those harmonies and disharmonies. I'd love to hear about your, yeah, how you learned to sing and your experience of singing with others and where it takes you when you do it. Okay, well, uh, yeah, of course, I'm, how to say, I'm happy to hear uh, how uh, I'm, I'm introduced here many times as a like folklore researcher and uh, everything. And it is uh, really a big part of my life. Uh, actually, uh, I'm an actress. I graduated from drama school in Kyiv. But before that, I studied for two years on folklore singing. So that was kind of like my beginning of, of my way. Uh, I started from folklore singing. And then I changed a bit, like my way uh, in the, like, uh, in theater, in acting. But folklore remained for me for forever. So now I'm trying, like, to combine all like all this together and folklore singing is like one of the instruments for me to to uh, be in art uh, and to tell about something uh, well i can <clears throat> say a few words about this song we just uh, heard uh, because i love it so much it's very it is very un uh, unusual even considering like in folklore it is very unusual these uh, intervals this like mm, melody uh, how does it goes and uh, as we were speaking about microtonal music and dissonances, so this septima is like very unusual in um, in folklore that we can hear it uh, in this song. It, this is very, really authentic, very old one. Uh, and this is actually, this is spring song. Uh, and yeah, we preparated it a bit with a text, uh, singing with a... Latin, uh, Latin words, and it like has totally new uh, sound. And how do you find when you're singing alone to then when you're singing with another, like the combination of voices? Because for me, like bringing such a different sensation, like within my body, and also then the the space you create together, and having to like yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, truly, that's so different. But actually, uh, talking about folklore, uh, Ukrainian traditional folklore is more uh, mostly uh, mostly polyphonic. Uh, so its beauty uh, very often is in harmony and in like combining voices and uh, in, in these patterns how it's creating together. So uh, it is like a big part of folklore tradition in Ukraine so of course I like to sing in a ensemble to create these polyphonic patterns but um, solo singing is also good so I don't know <clears throat> we also have uh, a scene uh, in Chernobyldorf uh, where uh, I have wedding kind of and I do also sing uh, one song uh, a wedding song and I sing it by myself N not not only me but like other other uh, singers they make like like canva like fundamental like uh, like one tone and I'm singing a melody so it also very 
I like this moment. It's, it is very inspirational, but uh, I consider it more more like a part of my a part of my role. So it's not just sing, not just song. I'm just standing and singing. It's also a part of a story I do play at the same time. So at this point, folklore song also has totally different power and different uh, like interesting way of of uh, of listening to it so the folklore songs they're ones they are they're existing songs that you then adapt or they also you're kind of making up new songs based on the tradition of the folklore music or like you inspired by uh, well as Ilya already said um this is mostly the way of our work. How do we work and how do we create in like in our company all materials? So we have some uh, basement, some points which are strong for us, and we are start we start from them, and then we can uh, prepare them. We can improvise, uh, but at the same time in some on some field on some common field so this also is happening with folklore so it's like kind of a basement but we are a bit improvising a bit giving like a new life to it when you uh when you're talking about this kind of like basement this foundation um i, I are you referring to this uh use of like this uh Dona Nobis Pachim or or these like classical things or it's a combination of the folklore and this uh kind of like more like western music tradition yeah actually it was kind of yeah our I don't know experiment or something yeah we put this uh, words from Mesa uh, on folklore Ukrainian folklore old authentic uh, melody and we invented somehow a, like a new piece this way. I see this also in the um I, I see that the the names of the characters in uh Chernobyldorf are uh classical Greek names, right? Yeah, yeah. So we, we, we have we have some mix. How I already mentioned, we also have uh, Renaissance and Baroque stuff. So we imagine so that we stage, let's say, the last opera in the world and we decide okay it will be again Orpheus and Eurydice and we take Orfeo and Eurydice as a rose and then we also come back to some also Greek uh, archetypical names and give also our protagonists these Greek, Greek names and also in the case of Agnus Dei we also following our plot that we have one novel with the name Messe de Chernobyldorf when we combine uh, fragments from different religions we also have some Buddhistic part uh, there we have Agnus Dei, and this uh, this Ukrainian ancient song is also probably has some even folk Christian roots, maybe. So that's why in, in opera it was combination of different rituals and different religions into one scene. Do you think of these uh, combinations as um, things that are operating with like a continuity, like there's a continuity between these traditions and uh, contemporary music in Ukraine, incorporating folk tradition and uh, um, uh, this like Western classics kind of uh, tradition, or, or is this total innovation? Is, is is this like taking all these different things and combining them? Um, 
Do you know what I mean? Sorry, I feel like I'm not yes, yes, asking. Yes, 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 like, I understand. I understand. <laughs> okay, okay, I can't. I, yeah. I can. I, I can. I can explain. No, in this case, we, we, uh, we really, we really try to imagine somehow post-apocalyptic society, and what for us is important that in this opera we tried. Uh, you know, no, normally way is that the composers from 19th century till today, they take some folklore materials and then they put them into academic field and into institutional field, yes? But in our case, we speak about some, I don't know, uh, post-apocalypse of, of 25th century when all academic and institutional bodies somehow disappearing and then we try to turn Western music and avant-garde music into folklore tradition. It's like looking back from the future and seeing yes, yes. all this say, as one thing. Yes, yes. So, uh, for example, we have some, I don't know, complicated uh, quasi-avant-garde instrumental parts, but they are not written in, I don't know, they are not written in Western tradition of Darmstadt school, but they are improvised and they became in this post-apocalyptic society some kind of oral tradition. And even Bach even Bach or Schubert became not uh, academic uh, score, but uh, it became some kind of a fol folklore, post-apocalyptic folklore. So in a sense, it's a kind of science fiction. It's a like this kind of future where... Uh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Um, we're nearing the end of the show, and before we go, I wanted to ask two more questions. The first one being, what do you, what is Operata working on at the moment, if anything? Um, and maybe your next project, um, yeah. Yes. Yeah, so now, now we 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 still working on Chernobyl because it's some kind of a big opera, and for every new, I don't know, for for every new performance, we change some parts. We will play in, in autumn in Vienna, for example, and we make some Venice edition of it. We we have now planned to have a new to launch a new opera in very beautiful place. We have a Hanenko Museum in the center of Kyiv, and this is the largest Ukrainian museum for European and uh, Oriental art. And now the museum is totally empty because all the artifacts they are in shelter, and then they must be in shelter until the end of the war. Acoustic and atmosphere in the museum is very, very special. Now we're taking, uh, we're taking certain rooms of this museum and making some kind of a installative opera for five hours that will be premiered hopefully in October. Wow, that sounds amazing. And also, and also this museum has uh, some very unique uh, exponents and some very unique uh, stories. For example, we have some very special panoramic uh, Panoramic Orfeo, um, I don't know, it's wooden, it's it's picture on wood uh, by, uh, I think by Flemish, uh, by Flemish master Jacopo del Salailo. And there are only three such Orfeos in the world. And one is in Kiev now in shelter. Another one is in Rotterdam. And another one, the third one is in Krakow. And we also, now we also meet again this Orfeo, but in, in museum and we will work also. With, with this Orfeo, which is not there because no, no, it's only only a story and no, no, no paintings, no sculptures are in museums. The museum is empty. And then um, finally, maybe Marichka, you can respond to this one. If um, there are any websites or organizations that we can share links with listeners so they can um, donate or support Ukraine. 
yeah, of course, we have like huge, very, very big uh, volunteering organization for like collecting money for soldiers and uh, it's come back alive. They are like super, uh, everything is uh, is made for, you can donate from any uh, part of the world. So this is always a good, uh, a good uh, chance a good way to donate and to help uh, Ukraine to help us to help our soldiers come back alive but soldiers are our friends our husbands our brothers uh, so this is really very important of course uh, like my um, I can share briefly my own experience uh, as I already mentioned uh, I have a lot a lot of friends my uh, close friends who are fighting now and uh, like I want everyone to know and to hear that we live in totally new reality uh, last week I met on the street my good friend he's an architect and he said um, you are always too busy for a cup of coffee for me but if you can find time this week because next week I go uh, to the army and um, this is very, very hard to realize that we are no actors, no, no longer. We are no longer actors. We are no longer architects. Mm -hmm. We are no longer uh, IT specialists. We are no longer baristas. We are all fighters. Uh, and uh, um, yeah, this is totally new reality uh, and not unfortunately and very painfully not all of them not all our friends uh, came back alive uh, but the, this is just i i don't want to accept this fact and this reality because uh, it's it's not okay this is just our choice you you choose you choose uh, fight for dignity, fight for uh, kindness, and fight for fairness in this world. So, uh, yeah, you can, uh, I have a amount of friends, and uh, for, like we are helping personally to a lot of people, we do know them, but from abroad, yeah, I think this is a good idea to donate on this um, comeback life, and we would be super grateful. And we appreciate any help. Thanks. Is is there a final uh, track that we can play just to to finish things up um, while while the apocalypse is still not upon us, and hopefully we can resist this apocalypse a bit longer. I don't know. Maybe we can some techno track which was composed by our electronic musician Georgi Podopalski. Uh, with some, it, it's a very simple techno music doing with some analog synthesizer. Maybe a bit techno will be good. Thank you so much, Ilya Mar Marichka, yeah. for joining us. It's been really great to talk to you, and yeah. I look forward to seeing more of your work in yeah. the future. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
This is sounds from Ukraine now. Звук из Украины зараз.